You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. If you haven't heard, the safe system for social anxiety is right around the corner. If you pre-order by March 15th, 2019, you'll receive 30% off. After that, it goes to full price. Check out the safe system at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani. I am your host. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I want to welcome you and I'm going to start the show a little differently this time with um, a concept that most of you probably understand at different levels. And that concept is people are not an extension of you. My girlfriend is not an extension of me. Your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother, your partner, your friend is not an extension of you. This kind of comes from the narcissistic world where narcissists will have a partner in their life and they treat that partner as if they are an extension of them. Now, what does that mean? That means when we go out, I need you to wear this dress or this suit because you represent me. Now, that in itself doesn't sound too toxic. It could be, and it sometimes is. But in the sense that if you don't wear that, I'm going to shame you. I'm going to make you feel guilty. I'm going to try to control you into a submissive posture so that I get what I want. The narcissist will do that. When the narcissist is in a relationship, they will treat their partner as if that partner is them too. And whatever you do represents me. Therefore, you have to live by my standards. You have to do what I would do so that when we go out and someone talks to you or looks at you, I, as the narcissist, you know, playing the role here, is going to be satisfied that you aren't misrepresenting me. Because, God forbid, someone misrepresents me. That's kind of where this extension concept comes from. I don't know if that's where it originally comes from, but that's where I learned it, is that narcissists believe that the closest people in their life, usually their partner, are an extension of them, which is why they become so controlling. It's like them wanting to control their left hand. I'm going to control my left hand, so I will tell you what to do. And just like I'm going to control you as my partner, I'm going to tell you what to do and what to wear and how to think. So I'm not talking about narcissism in this episode. That topic will be discussed on my other podcast, Love and Abuse. So if I haven't talked about it already, I will soon. But, you know, narcissism is definitely part of the emotional abuse spectrum. You can check that out at loveandabuse.com. But. I open the show with people are not an extension of you. They are not an extension of us because it falls under the category of wanting to control someone. It falls under the category of 
I want you to change for me so that I am happy. I want you to do things that make me happy so that I will be satisfied in this relationship or this coexistence, whatever we call it. And if you don't do it, I will make you feel bad. Yes, it's still riding along the emotional abuse spectrum, but a lot of us do this without necessarily being abusive, being toxic. We do it in small ways. We do it in ways that affect someone else's life to the point that they start showing up as not them. And they start conforming to what we want. And yes, you can look at it almost as a parent-child relationship. I need to model you around a set of standards, around a set of values, so that you turn out in a way that I believe is good. That would be the parent talking about the child. I'm not saying that all relationships are like this and all parents treat their children like this, but it's a common model where I want to teach you to do things right in the world because you don't have enough life experience. The problem comes when we do this with other adults. When we are an adult doing it to another adult who has their own life experience, who has their own values, their own belief system, their own perception in the world, and we place our standards on them. We place our beliefs, our values on them. And in a relationship, this can be very destructive. This can be a way to disintegrate the relationship over time because what will happen is the controlled person, the one who feels like they need to conform, will do so in small ways uh, with high resistance, with reluctance. And when you mix in resistance and reluctance, you get resentment. And if you have someone that is slowly growing resentment, even in minuscule amounts, it amplifies over time. And it comes out in ways that you can't figure out what's causing the problem. I mean, it comes out in explosions. It comes out in either mini explosions or big explosions. The other person might lash out. The other person might uh, cry for no reason. The other person might yell for no reason, seemingly no reason. The other person might get angry. They might be irritable. And often it can be traced back to when they started behaving in a way that wasn't them and in a way that they wanted to please their partner. Because a lot of people want to have a relationship and they want to be in one and they don't want to lose that relationship. They want to feel loved. You want to feel loved. You want to feel worthy. You want to feel important, I'm assuming. Most people do. And because you want to feel that way, you want to be with someone that makes you feel that way. You want to be with someone that reinforces that in you. You want to be with someone that makes you feel special. And sometimes when you're not feeling special, you'll alter your behavior so that they can make you feel special. And when that happens, you lose a little piece of you. You lose a little piece of yourself. It doesn't mean you're disappearing. It doesn't mean it's still not there. It just means now you're playing the role that you believe you need to play so someone else will find you special. I hope you're reading between the lines here because I don't think I have to spell out what happens. You know what happens. is that you eventually give in more and more and your resentment grows 
more and more so that you will comply with someone else's standards or values or beliefs. And as you do this to yourself, you might point the finger and say, they're doing this to me, they're treating me wrong. But really, we are making the choice to do this to ourselves in many cases because we want the relationship and we want to keep it and we want to feel special and we get these little rewards of the special feeling you know, during different times that we're together. And we like this special feeling so much that we're willing to give in. We're willing to sacrifice. And that's a strong word. How about compromise? We're willing to compromise a little bit here and there. And we're okay with that. Just like I've talked about on the show before, you're not going to have agreements in every area of life. You're just not going to do it. You're going to meet someone that likes different music than you, different movies, different books. Everyone has their own history of how they grew up and what they've learned to like. Different generations. And when you have these differences, there has to be some giving in. But I need you to notice when the giving in or the compromising has resentment attached to it. Like my girlfriend, she could listen to most country music. I could listen to least country music. (laughs) Not that country music is bad. It's just something, well, let's put it this way. I don't know if I've ever said this on the air. My stepfather, when he got into alcoholic rages and I could hear him screaming and throwing stuff and smashing glasses downstairs from my bedroom when I was a young kid or a teenager, let's just say that the country music was blasting. It was loud. And I kind of grew a hatred for it. Um, I don't necessarily hate it anymore. I've healed through that. I don't have any anger toward my stepfather anymore. I've become very forgiving and accepting of who he is and he'll never change. But it's just funny how we have these associations when we're younger. And then we grow up through years and years and years of something, years and years of of this association. And eh, we just don't want to be exposed to it anymore. So there was a big part of my life that I didn't want to be exposed to country music because of that association. And I realized how, you know, this is my own thinking. I realized how ridiculous that was. What? Why is all? I don't like this music because of that. And I was able to separate it. I'm still not a big fan, but at least I can get through a song or two (laughs) without having to go turn this crap off. Again, not making fun of country music. There are amazing artists out there. They're awesome. It's just not my style. And I just don't have a taste for it. So the reason I mention that is because my girlfriend can easily listen to country music. No problem. And uh, this is something that I might have to check in inside and think to myself, okay, if she cranks it in the other room, which she hardly ever cranks music, but if she did, would I be okay with it? And my thought goes to absolutely. Because that makes her happy. And I like to say this. I can feel it in my bones that I know she would be out there happy. Enjoying the song so much that she's cranking it. I might go out there and say, all right, honey, (laughs) go for it. And I might do that because I know that if I liked a song and I cranked it, I turned the volume up, she would probably feel the same way as long as you know we're not working in the house and on the phone call or anything like that but you get the point the 
thought that you can support someone enjoying what they're doing for themselves, that really strengthens a relationship. And this is quite the opposite of controlling the person, making them feel bad for doing something that makes them feel happy. It's quite the opposite. She is not an extension of me. And quite honestly, for the past four or five years that we've been together, this is something I learned coming into this relationship. She is the most, what's the word, individuated. She's the most independent woman that I've ever been with that has no problem enjoying what she enjoys, having her own opinions, having her own beliefs, and not knocking me for mine, although we've had conversations, and uh, not putting me down for what I like, and really honoring my path, at the same time making it clear that she has her path, and she's not going to allow someone else to change it. She might listen to opinions and form her own opinions and form her own beliefs from those opinions, but she doesn't go around pleasing other people. Oh, that's going to make that person happy, so I'll show up that way. It's not that she's belligerently herself. It's not that she just shows up and if somebody doesn't like her behavior, she won't modify it a bit. But, you know, when you're empathetic, when you're com- when you're kind and you're compassionate and you care about other people, you're usually not going to show up in that way anyway. But my point is, she's the first person I've met that was truly an individual in a relationship instead of I'm all about you. That's mind-blowing to me. (laughs) It's the first relationship I've ever been in where it's not all about me. And it took me some time to adjust to that. You know, I was talking about narcissism at first. There were narcissistic uh, behaviors that I was doing. There were components of narcissism that I absolutely relate to, that I absolutely can look back and say, oh, I did that. And a lot of us will relate to that. I did that. She felt like my property. She felt like an extension of me. And this is the relationship that I learned, and somewhat in my marriage too before this, but this is the relationship that I learned the most about someone being their own person, doing their own thing, having their own likes, and not having to conform to me or change themselves for me so that they became a little bit closer to what I liked. Again, there were compromises made. She doesn't do everything that she used to do in other relationships, I'm sure, but the compromises made didn't have attached resentments. And that's the most important part. When you make compromises in your relationship so that you could get along better, so that there is more time together that's not stressful and not about something that you can't agree on, those little compromises, as long as there's no resentments attached, tend to make the relationship happier overall. If the relationship is happy, you're happy and they're happy. And when the relationship is unhappy, you can usually attribute it to some small resentments that kept building. And those resentments really start to stand out in other ways. And um, you don't know where they come from eventually. Because you made them a long time ago. You started making these small compromises, these small sacrifices with attached resentments. And then one day it comes out in some angry moment. And you can't figure out why you're so angry about it. Or they can't figure out why they had a reaction to it. And you might be able to pinpoint it to, 
a small compromise, a small resentment that happened five years ago or something. And that's a good exercise to do is when you have some sort of emotional trigger is to ask yourself, what compromise or sacrifice did I make that might be associated, that might be related to this emotional reaction taking place right now inside of me? Any small or big sacrifice that I might have attached a resentment to. If you can't figure that out, just write down what you resent today. I resent that he leaves his socks on the floor. I resent that she never washes the dishes. I resent that he never cooks for me and I always cook for him. I resent that she goes out three nights a week with her friends. You know, these may or may not be actual problems for a relationship, but they might be a problem for you. And you have to understand what your resentments are so that you don't get caught up in years later destructive behavior. You don't want this stuff to come out as something else because you lose sight of the origin. When you lose sight of the origin, it's hard to get to the origin. It's hard to get to what caused it in the first place because it's so far removed from what you've been talking about. You could have been talking about politics and uh, some angry moment comes up that has something to do with uh, your partner's mom 10 years ago. <laughs> These little things that we have no idea where the origin is. Well, it's time to start understanding what negativities you're holding on to, if you haven't already. But if it's time to really dive into those negativities to understand what you're holding on to so that when something happens, you can attribute it to one of those emotional triggers that you might be carrying around. So when we come back, I'm going to read you a portion of an email and give you a few more examples about how we might control people, make them feel bad, make them feel like they can't do anything right or in order to be loved, they have to conform to our standards. And of course, when we feel like we have to conform to someone else's standards, we don't necessarily open ourselves up to be loving, to be kind, to be caring. We instead deviate from who we really are and who we really want to be to accommodate someone else. And often there's resentment attached to that. We'll be right back. Just a real quick message about love and abuse. It's another podcast that I do. It is about toxic behavior and poisonous communication. This can happen in almost any relationship, not just romantic. It's all about learning what unhealthy communication and behavior is so that you know what to do and, and you can label it. And, and once you know what's happening, you can do something about it or not. It's your choice. But I want to give you that choice. I want to make sure you have choices and that... Uh, None of this behavior goes under your radar because you need to know some of the stuff that goes on out there. Even not toxic behavior, but just um, unethical influence when people do that to you. Simple lies and deceptions that uh, they think is okay, but might cost you half the money in your bank account because they're trying to influence you in some way. There's all kinds of things we talk about over there at Love and Abuse. It is based on the mean workbook for emotional abuse and manipulation. So if you haven't heard about that, head over to loveandabuse.com. But whether you have the workbook or not, check out the podcast. It's in full force in iTunes and it's going to be appearing in other podcast players soon. 
and I'm getting a lot of good feedback on it already. So I appreciate those who have left reviews and are subscribing to the show because I try to publish as many episodes as I can. They're really short bursts episodes, like 10, 15, 20 minutes long. And it's already getting popular really fast, which is great because I think this information is important to have out there so that you don't get bamboozled. You don't get conned. You got to watch out for that emotional con game. Love and Abuse podcast, also loveandabuse.com. So really, um, everything I was talking about in the last segment has to do with molding compatibility instead of allowing or learning about compatibility with someone else. What I mean by that is when you want compatibility with someone, you hope that things line up. You know, I'm compatible with you because we like these same things and we appreciate a sunny day and we like these movies. You know, I I want to be compatible with my girlfriend in many ways. Hey, we both like music. We both play musical instruments. We both have a somewhat compatible spiritual side. We both have the same taste in friends and we both are honest with each other. There's a lot of compatibility there that I didn't have to force. And that's what I mean by molding compatibility is that sometimes you're in a relationship where you feel like you have to conform or they have to conform in order to create more compatibility. It's that compromising compatibility. I'm going to compromise a bit to be more compatible with you. Again, that's okay as long as there's no resentment attached to it. I'm going to compromise a little bit to be more compatible so that the relationship is happier. When the relationship is happier, I'm happier and you're happier. But if my compromising has attached resentments, then it's not a happy relationship. It's a slowly disintegrating relationship because we start to close off from each other, or at least one of us closes off more than the other. And that closing off is like um, damming the stream. The stream of emotions and love and vulnerability are flowing out until you start closing it off a little bit. And that stream flows less and less water. And the less water you pour out, the less love and vulnerability and connection that you pour out, the less connected you'll feel and the less vulnerable you'll feel. And love and connection usually contains quite a bit of vulnerability because you feel safer and safer with someone. And when you have full trust and feel so secure with someone else, that usually makes up love in some way. It usually makes up that wonderful feeling that we feel when we're with someone that we can fully be ourselves. But if we have to mold compatibility, I have to change this part of me for you and you have to change that part of you for me, that's when the relationship isn't as well, it may not be as successful. I can't say it's always not successful. There are compromises that work even with little resentments. It sounds a little strange maybe to you, but maybe it doesn't. The idea that we could compromise and maybe feel a little resentment, but there's so much more to appreciate in the, having this relationship in my life that it makes the relationship happy overall. So that can that can be true. That can happen. 
But we do have to be aware of the negativities that we carry around with us. It's like I was saying in the last segment. If you are carrying around negativities and they are resentments and they are coming out in ways that are unhealthy for the relationship, a little destructive to the relationship, then even though you have these compromises and the relationship is happier overall, what is it doing in the long run? For the long term, what what is the culmination of all these resentments or negative feelings doing to the relationship when you could probably deal with those, talk about those, reach some sort of non-resentful compromise and perhaps get to another level. Again, it doesn't work for all relationships and some relationships are so set in stone the way they are that they're not going to change and they're not going to change or one's going to change and one has to really give up a lot of who they are and the other person just wants to be who they are. There might be compatibilities, there might not be. But I like to gauge the, the relationship as a whole. If the relationship's happy, that means I'm happy and you're happy. How you rate happiness is totally up to you, but for me, it's a feeling. Am I happier more often than not? Because when that happens, I'm in a pretty good space. But to have a relationship that is compatible, where you can allow someone else to be themselves and you can show up as yourself and it still works, that can be a real successful relationship. That can be a very enjoyable relationship. That is one that you don't have to think about too much because you just are enjoying it. That is supporting each other's happiness. That is supporting each other's paths. Even when you yourself may not be on their path or really enjoy the path that they have, if you allow them to enjoy their path and they allow you to enjoy your path, that creates more compatibility. But if you have to mold compatibility, giving up a little part of yourself just to become more compatible, that's when it can hurt. I like to think about how friendships start, for example. When you hang around uh, people being themselves, which could be acquaintances, could be complete strangers, you get to know them for who they are because there's no need or desire to impress anyone. If I'm hanging out somewhere and there's another person somewhere hanging out and we get to talk to each other and there's no thought of a romantic connection, there's no thought of... Uh, hey, I wonder if this could turn into something deeper. Hey, I wonder if this person could be my friend. It's just talking and letting loose and being yourself. When that happens and a friendship develops, it was because the compatibility, at least in that moment, was in full force because I didn't have to be what I believe they wanted me to be. And they probably felt the same way. They didn't have to show up as anyone else but themselves. And good friendships are formed this way. When you can show up being yourself, someone else can show up being themselves, you don't have to mold compatibility. You're just compatible or, or you're not. Then you move on and move apart or you connect again. But once we add that component of trying to impress someone, we turn off some of who we are to show ourselves in the light that we believe they'd find favorable. So we change when we're trying to impress someone. We want to appear better in ways that maybe we don't feel good inside. I might be stretching a little bit. That might be reaching. <laughs> but maybe you want to show more of the good in you. Maybe you want to impress someone so that they're attracted to you. And when you do this, is this the way you show up for anyone? It's a really good question. Is this the way I would show up for my friend, for my parents, for my teacher, for my brother, for my sister, for my kid? Is, am I showing up as the same person? Not that you wouldn't have a different set of rules in all these places because kids might involve being a little bit more parental. 
siblings might involve being a little bit more family oriented and, you know, teachers and coworkers and other people might have a different set of rules for that. But overall, if you don't have to compromise who you are, like I said, there's more of a compatibility. But if you're trying to impress someone, that's when compatibility can really take a hit. I mean, in the sense that, um, like I remember trying to pick up this girl uh, many, many years ago when I lived in Florida. After my my first long-term relationship ended, I thought it would be great to get into another, another relationship, even though I was in the middle of depression and I was trying to figure my life out and I was still young, um, at least emotionally. And uh, I would see this girl at a restaurant and I would, I don't know, I think I would bother her. I think I was bothering her because I would show up at this restaurant and um, she wasn't like, hey, great to see you. It was more like, you know, can I take your order again? And I was showing up enough to try to make an impression on her, but wasn't really being myself because I was trying to impress her. I wanted her to see, or at least I amplified many things about me so that she would be impressed. And it's the same stuff I amplified in my last relationship to impress that person, to bring them into my life so that I had to keep amplifying these qualities about me that maybe I didn't want to necessarily do all the time at least, but it was putting on a show. I mean, when you're trying to impress someone, if you find yourself trying to put on a show for someone, then you are trying to mold compatibility. You are trying to force compatibility where it may not be there. I mean, this is what we do to ourselves. We force something that may not be there just so we can get something that we desire. And I desired a relationship, so I showed up as someone that was me, but wasn't. (laughs) I wasn't completely honest. I didn't necessarily tell her the truth of what I was doing or how I felt. I mean, you don't give away the farm in the beginning, I know that. But looking back, uh, I was in the middle of depression and I was acting like I had it all together. And I'm not saying that I should have just said, I'm so depressed and I want to share it with you, a complete stranger. But I was pretending that everything was great. And when you get into a relationship with me, I'm not going to be this depressed guy. But that wasn't true. And I'm not putting people in depression in some sort of category here. I'm saying no matter what's going on in your life, if you turn on the charm and you try to impress and you're forcing compatibility, what will happen is you'll get into a relationship that later on reveals itself that it wasn't really meant to be. And if we had gotten into a relationship, I had a feeling, a strong feeling, that I would have revealed myself to be someone else than I was at that time. And so I eventually, I mean, just to finish the story, (laughs) I eventually did ask her out to go somewhere. And she said no, or she had a boyfriend or something like that. And so I let it go, and everything was okay, and I had to reconnect with myself. And at that time, I was looking for someone else to complete me and of course, that's not what I recommend because, you know, you kind of have to bring the, vet, the best version of yourself into a relationship to share a connection, to share experiences so that you're not bringing all this deficit into the relationship that someone else needs to fill. And then they become the source of your happiness and the source of your energy. I try to avoid that. I try to teach that so other people can avoid it. But anyway, back to compatibility. I definitely wasn't compatible with her because it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy connecting with her. I didn't talk about my life in a way that allowed her to see the full version of me. So there was no way she could have known me. She only knew what I was trying to impress upon her. 
And that is what I mean by forcing or molding compatibility. And once we add that component of trying to impress someone, we turn off some of who we are to show ourselves in a light that we believe they'd find favorable. So my point with that is, you know, trying to impress someone, sometimes we turn off who we are to show ourselves in a light that we believe they'd find favorable. And if you find yourself turning off a part of you so that someone else will find you favorable so that you'll feel good and you think you're creating a happy relationship, you got to remember that that part that's turned off, that part that they don't know about you yet, if you don't turn it back on really soon and they don't see these parts of you, it comes out in different ways. It comes out in sometimes surprising ways or devastating ways. What? You do that? I didn't know that. What? You're like that? What? You have that belief? I like to get all that stuff out up front. That's why I prefer slow relationship buildup. So you get to know the person systematically and you learn over time what they've told you that they think that you want to hear and what they told you that's actually authentically them. Very, very helpful, in my opinion, to start a relationship like that and learn about the person you're seeing in a way that helps you assess compatibility and longevity. But anyway, I mentioned an email that I was going to read, or at least a portion of it. Uh, it's from someone who gave up a lot to be with her her man. Uh, I don't know if it's a husband or a boyfriend, but she moved. She lost some of her friends when she moved. She's changed her life quite a bit. And um, he was doing things that she didn't agree with. He was still talking to his ex. He was having some sort of friendship with her and some other friends. And that makes her uncomfortable because his ex is kind of everywhere. She didn't mention that she feels that he might cheat on her or anything like that. She was just telling me that she doesn't want him really communicating too much, or at least as much as he does with this other girl. And it took him a long time to let this other girl go. They were living together for a while, and uh, he just wouldn't let her go. He would always talk to her and probably felt bad for breaking up with her. I don't know. Or, or they were just really good friends and they kept staying friends. It's all fine. But the reason I bring her email up is because I want us to look at something like this in a way where we see someone doing something that we don't like and we want them to change because if they change, that'll prove to us that they love us. Because that's what goes through some people's minds is that if they do this, if they stop talking to that person, then it proves to me that they love me and that there's no danger to consider over there. And if they do it willingly and they even say, oh, look, I don't want anything to come between us, I will definitely stop talking to her because I value our relationship more, that would be wonderful. And that does happen, and it would be great if it happened more, if there's no attached resentments, of course. But if there are, then we have to look at the other person and ask ourselves, am I trying to control this person and take away a bit of themselves? Am I trying to change them so that I can mold our compatibility a bit more? I want him to change or I want her to change so that I will feel safer, more comfortable, more happy in this relationship. I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, I'm not saying what she's thinking isn't wrong. Like if my girlfriend was talking to her ex daily and they were sharing pictures and um, they were sharing online accounts and, you know, there's all kinds of things that this email said, I might have an issue with it. I might. There's just like too much connection 
if there's energy being taken out of my relationship and being applied to their relationship, I suddenly feel like there's a deficit in our relationship that needs to be addressed. So to the person who wrote the email, I'm not saying that she's necessarily incorrect or bad for thinking that her boyfriend or her husband needs to change. I'm saying that when you look at behavior and they don't want to change their behavior, then we have to consider something else. And this is my next and final point, is that when someone doesn't want to conform, someone doesn't want to change, someone doesn't see a problem with it, he doesn't see a problem with it. If my girlfriend was talking to her ex all the time, and uh, well, she does, it's her ex-husband, but there's nothing going on there, I know that. And it's not daily, it's uh, whenever she has to. (laughs) So it's a different situation there. But if it was a daily thing, if it was a little too much time and energy and it was being taken away from us, or I felt like our relationship was somewhat suffering because of it, because she was putting more time and energy into them, then I might want it to change. I might say, look, you know, this is what I feel. I feel like when you're with him or talking to him, it's really taking away from us. It's taking away from me. When I want to snuggle with you, you want to get on the phone and text him. That really bothers me and I would like to talk about this. Hopefully she'd be like, oh my God, I didn't even realize I was doing it. I'm so sorry. You're right. That would be a wonderful conversation. But let's just say she didn't. Let's just say that she said, look, this is my friend. Uh, Yeah, we had a relationship together, but we're still good friends. I shared everything with him. I shared my life with him. Not that's something I want to hear, but okay, you shared your life with him. He knows everything about you. Great. I don't feel very good about that, but okay. So I'm hearing this from her and she said, no, I'm not going to change. This is is who I am. This is my friend and I'm not going to change. At this point, I can either get grumpy about it, which I probably would. (laughs) I can get grumpy about it And I could also try to change her. I could also try to control her. I could also tell her what I want her to do. And she may do it. I may say, look, I can't be in this relationship if you're talking to him. So you need to stop talking to him. I could say that. And she may go, oh, I don't want to lose the relationship. Okay, I'll stop talking to him. Attach that little resentment there. And now she's not talking to him anymore. But our relationship isn't really all it could be. Why not? Because I just took a piece of her away. I just disconnected her from something that fulfills her in some way. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying that I had a problem with it in this example. I had a problem with it and I didn't want it to be. And I chose to control her and say, you need to stop. And because she wants the relationship that we have and she wants happiness with me, she chose to take a little piece of herself out to diminish that or uh, make it disappear. And when she did that, yes, she gave more time and energy into this relationship, but is it all it could be? Or did the water flow just a little less? You know, that concept with the water flowing in the stream and you start to dam it more and more and the water flows less and less, suddenly there's not as much emotional connection. Suddenly there's not as much vulnerability and good feelings. There's some being taken away. So yes, that behavior stopped, but now I don't have the relationship that really could be more than it is. So when it comes to this person who wrote the email, yes, his behavior might be inappropriate. I agree. It might be bad for the relationship. I agree. It might make you feel less special, less important, less valued, less loved. It might make you feel a bunch of things. 
But do you feel like you should change him or control his behavior so that you have the relationship you want with him? Or do you instead look inward and ask yourself, is this the relationship I want with him? Is this the kind of person I want in my life? This is the hard part because this is what I had to do in my marriage. When I was super judgmental and trying to control her, you need to do what I say, you need to eat what I say, you need to look how how I want you to look. I didn't say those words, but boy, I found other ways to convey that information. But when we separated, it was the first time ever that I realized my finger was always pointing at someone else to change for me. That was the first time in my life. I was in my early, early, like 40, 41 years old. First time in my life, I realized I want others to change for me. It was an unpleasant thought. I want you to change for me. What makes me so damn special? Back then I thought, wow, this is the first time I realized I need healing because I'm trying to control someone else. It's also the first time I realized that trying to control the people in my life made them not want to be with me. And for the first time, I took personal responsibility that I was the cause of every breakup in my life. And that was a huge mind blow. (laughs) It was a huge explosion in my brain, if you want to know where the uh, show name comes from. (laughs) It was a huge explosion. It was an overwhelming sensation of What the hell have I been doing all my life? I can't believe I've been doing this to every single relationship in my life. I had my fingers pointed at other people instead of looking inward and asking myself, is this the relationship I want with this person? Because, you know, with my marriage, she wasn't doing anything wrong. I just had standards and values that were way too high for her to meet, for anyone to meet, and I was placing them on her And her not meeting them made me feel like, okay, if she's not meeting them, she is doing something wrong. But she wasn't. I mean, again, in hindsight. But back then, her not changing meant that she didn't love me. Her not changing meant that she didn't love us. Her not changing made me feel like she didn't care. And that she was being selfish. And so the moment I was alone, or at least a few days after she left and we were apart, for the first time ever to have this realization that, wow, all I've been doing was trying to control her, instead of asking myself if this is the type of relationship I want and this is the type of person I want to be with. Again, not that she was doing anything wrong. It was just that I never asked that of myself. She was an emotional eater, so every time I saw junk food, I just thought, oh, she's doing that again, and I want her to change. Instead of pointing the finger at myself and asking, well, you could ask her to stop, or you could ask yourself, are you okay living with an emotional eater? And that meant that I would have to accept her behavior. That meant that I would have to be okay with whatever behavior she had. Because I could either force and mold the compatibility for us, or I could allow it to happen by looking in myself and realizing I needed to make a decision for me. Because there came a point where I said, you know what, if you really don't like her behavior, instead of trying to change her, why don't you just get out of the relationship? Because there came a point where I had to face the decision of staying with someone that did behavior that I couldn't get on board with that I couldn't agree with or trying to change them. 
And since I didn't want to be the person that controls someone else to force them to create the relationship that I want to mold compatibility, which believe me, attached so much resentment that it pushed love out of the picture. Instead of being that person, why don't I be the person that does what he wants for himself? This is where you take back your power. This is where you start to make decisions that are right for you. Because instead of trying to control someone else, you're looking inward and saying, is this what I want for me? Because what happened for me is when I finally realized, oh, I'm responsible for our relationship happiness, at least my half of it. I am responsible for how I feel and what I do in this relationship. I'm not responsible for her behavior and I'm not responsible to control her, which means I have to control myself, which means I have to look inward and figure out if this is the relationship I want. And when I said, no, this isn't the relationship I want, I couldn't accept that answer. And it forced me to come to terms with the big decision of working on this relationship or not. And in that moment, I came to an acceptance of her behavior. Because if I was going to try to work on this relationship, I either had to accept her behavior or try to control her. And I didn't want to control anymore for all the reasons I've talked about in this episode. I wanted her to be herself so that she could be happy. I wanted to support her being herself even with all the challenges that she was having. Even when I disagreed with her behavior. I wanted to support her to show her that I'd be there no matter what. I wanted to support her in a way that showed her I wasn't here to control her. And when someone does that for you, or you do it for someone else, when you say, I am here to support you, whatever path you take, even if I disagree with it, I'm here to support you. Because if it makes you happy, if it's the path that you want to take, then that is what I want for you. When you can show up for someone like that, you will be the most admired person in their life. And the chances that your relationship will last long are great. The chances that your relationship will be happy and fulfilling are great because you both get to show up as you. So to the person who wrote this email who has this issue with her boyfriend and uh, he's talking to his ex and they're good friends, I hope this helps you make the decision that you need to make. One of the last questions that you had was, uh, you know, am I just really pathetic having stayed so long or is there an underlying aspect within me that I need to control to make this work for both of us or is it time to call it quits? You'll know the answer if you, A, look at the situation as never, ever changing. This is who he wants to be. This is the life he wants. If you look at that situation and accept that that will never change, then you have to make the decision for yourself. And, you know, the question I might get is, well, Paul, what if it does change? What if he does change his mind? I'm going to assume because you've had that talk, because he may be not communicating with her as much as he used to, that there might be attached resentments. And if he makes you feel bad, which you, I didn't read it, but you intimated in your letter that he still makes you feel bad. He tells his friends, oh, my girlfriend doesn't want to go, uh, so I can't go. There's, these are little ways you know, sort of emotionally abusive ways to make you feel bad about yourself and make you feel bad for the decisions that you've made. But you can tell there's resentment in him. And as long as that's there, the relationship can't be as much as it could be. It can't be as satisfying. It can't be as happy and fulfilling as it could be because he's damned off some of that flowing emotion. 
He's disconnected a little bit. He's not going to be as fully open and loving and vulnerable with you because he had to squelch a part of him. He turned off a little part of himself. So I'm not, um, I'm not saying his behavior is good or bad. I'm saying that when you have to take responsibility for what happens next, which is asking yourself, do I want to be with someone who does this behavior? And if it never changes, will I be okay with it? If your answer is no, then you have to decide what to do next for you. And, you know, what could happen is that you say that and he realizes that uh, he really loves you and doesn't want to lose you and he realizes his priorities and then he comes to a place of, you know, I've been spending way too much time with this person. You're absolutely right. I can't believe I didn't see it before. If he comes to that and he's able to have no resentment about closing that off or toning that down, his friendship over there, then maybe this is exactly what needed to happen because you finally did what you needed to do for you. And if he really wants you in his life, he might make those changes. As long as there's no attached resentments, you're good. But if there are, if he says, oh, I don't want to lose the relationship. I don't want to lose you. I'll tell you what, I'll do this and we won't talk anymore and I'll block her from my phone. I mean, you can hear it in my voice when I'm just role playing this that uh, he's not happy about it, but he'll do it. When you have someone like that, you don't want that in the relationship because that's what what that's what's brought into the relationship. So you have to really look at things carefully. If he's like, no, I, I definitely don't want to talk to her anymore because it's ruining this relationship that I love so much. I want you. I want to spend more time with you. I want to put all my energy into you, not this other person that she was a part of my life. And maybe we'll talk every now and then, but certainly not at the level that we've been doing. This You're so much more important to me and you make me happy. You fulfill me. You complete me, whatever he says. If there's all of this energy going back toward you and, and you don't feel that resentment, then maybe you got something there. But that may never happen if you never decide to do what you need to do for you. Why? Because he's probably going to feel like you're controlling him. You're controlling who I see, who I talk to. I don't like it, so I'll give you some love, but not my whole self. I'll give you some of me. Then if you are able to control him or make him sacrifice uh, time with someone that he wants to spend time with, he still may not be completely there for you. There, there will still be a part of him turned off. And if you don't get the whole person, then what are you getting? And what is that doing to the relationship? So that's my answer to the person who wrote the email. Thank you so much for doing that. And thanks for joining me today for another episode. I can't wait to come right back after this transition and say some goodbyes and my final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to loveandabuse.com if you're interested in learning more about toxic communication and behavior. Over there, you'll find the Love and Abuse podcast, which is also in iTunes, and the Mean Workbook. The Mean Workbook is an assessment and healing guide for difficult relationships. And boy, I think we uh, have all experienced one of those. And if you're trying to get rid of social anxiety, now is the time to purchase the safe system for social anxiety at 30% off before the price goes up on March 15th, 2019. It's going to be a powerful system to help you overcome that old anxiety and start living life again without the same old fears that keep you back. We have anxiety coaches, meditation coaches, and all kinds of people that have uh, contributed to this product. There's an anxiety coach for both adults and children 
uh, named Tasha McLaren. And she's at TashaMcLaren.com if you want to check her site out. And uh, she can help you with panic attacks, anxiety, OCD, depression, all kinds of stuff. And she's also part of the safe system as well. I can't wait to uh, get it out there into the world. So check out one of the experts in the safe system at TashaMcLaren.com. You can also find a link to her site at QuietBegins.com in case you can't spell that. And I want to thank the patron members for supporting the show at Patron.TheOverwhelmedBrain.com. They are the financial contributors to the program and are helping to keep the show on the air and keep it going. Without their support, this would be a different show. It might not be a show at all. So I want to thank you, patron members. If you want to be a member of the patron program and show your support and also get a bunch of free episodes and free workbooks and worksheets, including the Overwhelmed Brain book in PDF format, head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I appreciate you. Anyone that supports the show, either through the patron program or the Amazon link on the website at theoverwhelmedbrain.com or the donation link, I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And on a final note, the idea that someone is an extension of you, that's a great philosophy to carry around just to keep in mind how we show up in people's lives. Do I want to control this person because I believe that they need to represent me in a way that I find acceptable? That might be a question to ask yourself. Or is this person doing something that I find unacceptable and that I need to change their behavior? Because if they don't, then it's a violation of my boundaries, my values, my beliefs, my perceptions. If any of those are violations of something in my life and by changing them, it will it will abide by the boundaries in my life. Is that something that I should really do? I mean, is this the type of behavior that I want to have in my life that I want to control others' behaviors? Because if we go around trying to control others' behaviors, we spend so much time and energy that could be spent on ourselves and looking inward and reflecting on what we need to do for ourselves instead of trying to make the world conform to us. Molding the world's compatibility with us. And this is hard to do. I, I struggled with it all my life. I wanted to control others. I wanted them to do what I wanted them to do for me. I wanted them to show up in a way that I found acceptable so my life would be easier. Life's a lot easier when everyone does what you want them to do. <laughs> but resentment builds and people dislike you and people disappear from your life and you wonder where they're going if they'd only just conformed to my way then everything would be great. Not saying this is you. I am definitely pointing the finger at myself throughout my life and having come to this place where I've let that go and found that happiness for me in all my relationships now arrives so much easier because I don't spend any time trying to change anyone else. Just like this show, I just provide information and you can choose to change or not. And I think it's important to look at things in context as well. What would happen if you changed behavior in a certain context? Does it improve your life or make it worse? There might be a reason that you have to control someone's behavior because without your control, they're out of control. I can't necessarily cite any specific examples right now, but maybe you know someone who has a mental disability of some sort needs controlling of their behavior. And if you don't do it, they lose control. They hurt people. They hurt themselves. I absolutely understand that there's a context for everything. This is why you pick and choose what works for you 
And if the message that you're hearing doesn't resonate, don't use it. But if you find yourself trying to control perfectly capable people that can live their own life, that can show up in the world and survive and thrive fine, then maybe you're spending way too much energy on other people when you should be looking at what's going on inside of you. Or maybe you've gotten this far and you don't resonate with any of this. <laughs> and if that's the case, well, I'm surprised you're still here at the end of the episode. <laughs> you made it this far. But if you do resonate, let me just say this. Keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. We lose that power when we try to control others. We, we lose connection. We lose love when we're trying to change someone for us. It can happen. Again, it's all within certain contexts, but keeping your power helps you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something that I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.